Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. It's a privilege to be able to share with you tonight. And those of you who don't know, my name is Kim and I'm part of the team here at Highway. But I wanted to begin by sharing with you tonight uh, from a message uh, from uh, the Scripture, Galatians 5, verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians 5, 16. Otherwise, just follow along on the screen with me. It says, So I say, walk by the flesh, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if, everybody say if, you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I'm just gonna pray over this message. Lord, I just surrender this message to you. Father, I'm up here as your vessel, but Lord, I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will just have your way in this place. I've done my part of preparation as best as I can, but Lord, I just want you, Father God, to minister to hearts and touch lives for eternity for your kingdom's purpose tonight, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, I was born in Dolby until I was about five years old. So I have a very short memory of my life in Dolby, except for one specific day is very clear to me still. I was in the car with my mum and siblings, and mum was driving us around on daily errands. And we drove to our first stop, which was the bakery. So we pull in there and mum says to me, or us, all of us kids, and she says, right kids, uh, I'm just gonna duck in here quickly, I'm not gonna be long. Uh, Just wait in the car and then I'll be out shortly. So mum goes into the bakery. My sister's in the front seat, my baby brother's in the back, and I'm beside my baby brother. Instantly, I had these two thoughts. Number one, my mum is never quick. And number two, this is a bakery with those awesome coin lolly machines, coin turn lolly machines, you know the one? Didn't take me long before I slipped off my shoes and snuck out the door and snuck into the bakery past my mum to the back of the store where the lolly machines were. I played with them for a few minutes until I unsuccessfully retrieved lollies with no coins. I turned around and looked at the counter to where mum was to see that she was no longer there. Okay, stay cool, I said to myself. And I walked to the front of the store to the car park to see that she was no longer there, to see that the car was no longer there. I paused, my heart sunk. Instantly I turned around and walked back into the bakery. And would you believe that there were two police officers standing at the front of the store, of the counter. (sighs) Soon as I saw those police officers, I turned around, ducked my head and ran out to the front back of the bakery to the car park. I was terrified at the thought of what they would do to me if they knew that I'd disobeyed my mum. 
So it was at that moment that I knew I had to find my own way home. There were many different ways that I could go home, but the only way my four-year-old mind could remember to go home was from what I saw every time I drove to this particular bakery, which was the railway line. So instead of going all the other safer options, I knew that if I went towards the railway line and walked down along it, that I, I would eventually, possibly, get to my house. So I started my journey on the railway track. Meanwhile, Mum is just around the corner at my dad's business with my siblings. She uh, unloaded them, went inside, was talking to dad, and they were playing in the backyard because it was like a house sort of business where he, where he worked. And then after about 20 minutes, she went to leave and then unload the kids back into the car. And she said to my dad and my siblings, where's Kimberly? To which my mum said, uh, to which my dad said, well, she was never with you. To which my mum said, yes, she was. To which dad said, "Han, I think you're getting a bit confused. It must be her kindy day today. Was it her kindy day? To which mum said, no. So she runs back into my dad's work and starts looking for me. And within a few minutes, she comes back out. And she has this look on her face that I relate to another look that I've seen quite similar. If it's up on the screen there. But instead of yelling, Kevin, she would have yelled, Kimmy, that home alone moment, you know? Every parent's worst nightmare. Well, quickly my parents just sprung into an action plan, panic set in. Dad said, right, you go back to the bakery. If you can't find her, call me and then I'll start, I'll get a church search party happening. So mom goes back to the bakery and she can't find me anywhere. So she calls dad and then he calls the church search party and straight away everyone's out looking for me. Here I am walking along this railway line. Tears of pain rolling down my face because my choice of path was a, was a scorching hot gravel or the grass that was filled with weeds and bindies. But I had no other choice. So I just continued on. I continued on what felt like hours until I eventually got to a familiar sign. I didn't know what it read, but I knew that it was a sign of my street, Wiley Street. I turned down that street and I, it was a very long street. So I walked for a long time again until I eventually found my home. Someone ironically from the church found me right outside my house and put me in their car and drove me up the driveway and took me to mum and dad. Um, I don't know what that was about, but anyway, they must have received some sort of glory for it, but I did all the hard work. Um, <laughs> but my parents were so relieved to find me and as they would be, every parent's worst nightmare, their worst nightmare was over. But there's one particular thing I still, to this day, remember of my response that night. I was laying in my parents' bed. My dad was cuddling me and my mum, she was soaking my feet in warm water. And I remember sobbing. I was just sobbing. I was ashamed. I felt so bad. It was just so much to experience 
but I remember saying these one or these five words over and over again. <laughs> Satan made me get lost. <laughs> Satan made me get lost over and over again. Satan made me get lost. I needed someone to blame, right? And you could tell I was a Sunday school kid because I'd learn all about it. I was, I was a, a church kid. Satan made me get lost. But this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Does this sort of sound familiar? Someone choosing to disobey and then blaming Satan, blaming the devil. Because really, if we look back, it wasn't Satan that made me get lost. It was my own choice to disobey. And if we go back to first origins, where do we first hear a similar story like this? In the book of Genesis. In Genesis, we hear how Satan tempted Adam and Eve, but he didn't handcuff them. He didn't tie them and, and take them hostage and shove a forbidden fruit in their mouths, did he? No, it was their own choice to disobey. See, I've titled this message tonight, The Tug of War of Faith. See, because we have this flesh, we are born of flesh. The Greek word for flesh is sonix, which means sinful human nature. Here's another example of how I sort of visualize this up on the screen there. There should be a picture of the, yep, there we go. I see one side being like the spirit and one side being like our flesh, spirit, flesh. And ultimately, can you see, I love how this, this particular visual has that big cliff there because it's ultimately, they're warring against each other like that first scripture that I read, Galatians 5 verse 6. They are in conflict with each other. They are about out to annihilate the other. In John 10 verse 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal the flesh, kill and destroy, but God comes to give life and life more abundantly. You know, ultimately when we've received Jesus, when we're Christians, when we made that decision to live for Him, when we choose to walk in the Spirit, God is our victory. We have the victory. So this is not a battle of our own strength. In the end, God's spirit will always trump flesh because he has the ultimate victory. But God gives us the option of partnering with him. The only way flesh wins is when the spirit is passive, complacent, asleep, not relying on God. Remind me, which way did I say was spirit and flesh? This one was spirit and this one's flesh, all right. So flesh rehearses injustices, whereas spirit rehearses his promises. Flesh causes us to hold on, to control, to hurts, to unforgiveness, resentment. Spirit causes us to let go. Flesh defends, spirit disarms, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Flesh sees others as their limitations, failures, or our unmet expectations, whereas spirit sees the call of God upon their lives. 
spirit sees them as a son and daughter of the Lord Most High. See, flesh cares most about man's opinion or approval, whereas spirit cares most about God's opinion and approval. See, when we're in connection with him, the tug of the flesh doesn't move or pull us to the rope again. If we're operating in the spirit, trust keeps us firm when fear from the flesh tries to tug. When we're operating in the spirit, humility keeps us grounded when the pride of our flesh tries to tug. We're firm, we're steadfast. If we're operating in the spirit, the desire for purity keeps us stable when lust of our flesh tries to tug. So how can we focus on living in the spirit? Well, tonight I just have three things that I wanna put forward to you on how we can do that. Number one is to be intentional. Be intentional about what we're meditating on. In Romans 8 verse five, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have the mindsets on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Just say I tell you right now to picture a red apple, okay? You can even close your eyes if you wanna do it. Picture a red apple. Now I say to you, stop picturing that red apple. For most of you, you might find that really hard to stop picturing that red apple. But if I now said to you, picture a yellow banana, it's easier to stop thinking about the red apple when you've replaced that thought with the red banana. Very simple analogy, but don't, do you get what I'm saying? And that's how the Spirit of God works. It's not about like, oh no, I shouldn't think that bad thought, I shouldn't do that bad thing. It's like, no, when I'm focusing on God, when I'm in His presence, when I'm relying on Him, when I'm reading His Word, when I'm seeking wise counsel, it just so, it's so natural for me to avoid those things. Those things don't tempt me, they don't, they're, not an, they're not an issue to me. I think of Joseph, absolute legend. <laughs> After all that he went through, he had every excuse. Joseph had every excuse under the sun to feel defeated, to have bitterness, to have rage, to go on a, on a, on a revenge rampage. But you know what? Through every season, through every trial he went through, I actually think it was his thought processing, his meditating on God, his focusing on how can I make the best of where I'm at. Maybe I can't change this circumstance or this frustration or this injustice, but I know that the way that I process this and the way that I respond to this with the Holy Spirit's help is gonna make all the difference. An athlete that has really inspired me lately is Nicola. Uh, Nicola Ollie Slangers, or also known as McDermott. Do you know Nicola? So she's a 26-year-old Australian high jumper. Now, I didn't know much about her when I first saw her at the Olympics, 
But when I saw her and watched her for the first time, I just, I think I said to Caleb, I'm like, she's got to be a Christian. She, there was just this joy that just radiated from her and you could just see her mindset and her mannerisms and the way she presented herself. There might be a picture of her up the screen here. We'll just keep her up while we uh, discuss her um, now. But, you know, she has been training to jump two meters and to go into the Olympics since she was eight years old. And she is a Christian. In fact, it wasn't until the age of 16 that someone invited her along to a youth camp that she gave her heart to the Lord. Shout out to Highway Youth. Yeah, <laughs> youth camp coming out up. That's a great plug right there. If you're sponsoring a child, which you can do after the service tonight, you never know the eternal impact that you can have in someone's life. See, building up, uh, I just want to share with you just a little um, snippet from a Christian um, article that was written about her in a Christian magazine, sorry. It says, building up towards the Olympics, I was preparing spiritually just as much as I was physically, if not more. I knew that when I went out there, doubt was going to be present. As well as the temptation to hide my faith in order to gain sponsors or to hide my joy just in case I miss the bar. In relation to her competitors, Nicholas said, when I partner with God in renewing my mind, I get to see them as he sees them, loved and made in his image. So Nicola, uh, so connected was Nicola to God that she knew absolutely that he was in control. She pushed herself harder and harder, knowing the potential of injury, but also knowing that this is what God wanted. She explains that it has been years of not only push, uh, pursuing God, but also pursuing a community and a vision that creates a kingdom on earth. She says, in the Olympic Games, people saw my performance, but most people didn't know about the prayer meetings and all the things I was doing in the Olympic Village outside of that. The fruit of that was the joy and confidence of seeing what God was doing inside the village, knowing the impact I was having on those athletes. A huge smile envelopes Nicola's face as she recounts her mindset in the lead up to the final on that memorable day, 8th of August, 2021. When she, um, when she reached uh, her personal goal of jumping over two, two meters. She said, I was fearless because I knew when I was pursuing the highest thing that I could do in that Olympic Games, that even if I didn't make it, my identity in Christ meant that I was more than enough. Being able to be bold and confident and firm in who I was was one of the greatest opportunities to show what was in my heart, which was just the best. And you know what? I think she would have it coming from all angles. But athletes have to train so incredibly hard. Their diet is strict. They have no social life. There is so much commitment, determination, and discipline that goes into being an athlete. But I love that she says, and I've, I follow her on Instagram over and over again, she says, my spiritual walk, staying in the spirit is the most important thing to me. See, when she, when she encountered God, she realized that nothing else mattered. In Romans 8, verse 26 to 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. A few Sundays back, we had Pentecostal Sunday and, and we were able to provide the opportunity for those, of, um, for those people who haven't been able to speak in tongues or receive that gift to come forward and receive that. And you know what? That's what this scripture is all about. It's speaking about being able to use that gift. It is such a gift, the heavenly language. I know time and time again in my own life when, you know, whether it's absolute heartache or, or pain or my heart is just going out for someone and I just wanna pray for them in accordance to God's will, but there's no words on this earth that could make up what my heart is feeling. Just being able to speak in tongues is just so, such a great way to align with Him and stay connected with the Spirit. And my own example recently, you know when you're given a gift and it's just so incredible and it's like you forget to use it or you forget that you've got this awesome gift? you're out of the habit or whatever it is. If I can be really honest with you, I've been going through a situation recently where I had this knee-jerk reaction of the flesh. Every time I experience a situation, it struck something in me, whether it be an insecurity or something, and my knee-jerk reaction was absolute anger, like anger just would just bubble up. And I just... It just kept happening. And then the next time I prayed about it, I said, Holy Spirit, if I'm in that situation again, I need your help. And he just, I felt like he just reminded me of that power of speaking in tongues. So the situation faced me again and straight away I just started speaking in tongues. I'm not sure if people around me heard or not, whether they might've thought it was weird, but as soon as I started speaking in tongues, that anger went Peace filled my heart, and it happened a few times after that. And I realized that I can't be speaking in the heavenly language and have anger flowing out from me. I can't be in connection with Him and holding on to that frustration. So the first thing that we need to do is focus on what we're meditating on, and number two, use that gift of the Spirit. And if you don't have it, we're gonna provide an opportunity for you tonight to come forward and receive that. But the third thing is standing firm with his armor. Like I said, uh, well, maybe I didn't quite say it earlier, but with the visual of this, the cliff, right? I sort of see at one end, maybe Satan's there having his words, yeah? And then the other end, God's there saying, come on, come on, I'm here. Just need, you just need to hold on to that rope and I'm all in and we've got the victory. And Satan's there and we just need a partner. Who are we partnering with? There are times when, that, when it's like that, but there are also times when attacks do come. I was uh, speaking with a pastor's wife earlier this year and she said her beautiful daughter from a young age, even I think she's now 16 now, but from a young age of four years old or something, there was some sort of attack that was coming upon her daughter's life that was um, sort of like a heavy cloud and, and um, sort of like a depressing sort of um, spirit of, um, I don't know, she just didn't wanna live anymore and she wanted to take her own life, but she didn't know why because she loved God and she was generally happy, but when this would come upon her, she just felt this heaviness. 
And for years and years, the godly grandma and this pastor's wife and, and the family, all the family, Christian family would, would pray over her, would prophesy over her, would, would intercede for her. But then this pastor's wife said to me, you know what, Kim, it got to a point where I had to teach her how to fight for herself. When she got to this age or whatever it was, she said, I had to teach her what she needs to do to fight. And Ephesians 6, it talks about how we need to put on the full armor of God. See, it did, it, attacks do come, but it depends on whether we react in the flesh, defend or stand firm in the spirit. And this girl, they said, this girl is doing so good. She's just graduated and she's going to Bible college following in her parents' um, footsteps. Um, but her mom was telling me how she's done that. You know, we, the, the armor of God, the sword of the spirit, what is that? It's sharper than, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what the sword of the spirit is, the word of God. So when those thoughts, when those tormenting, that tormenting spirit came upon her, she just started declaring the word of God in her own bedroom. She started praying over herself. She started speaking in tongues. She said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm created in the image of God. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for me. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 over and over again, she started declaring these things over her life and she learned that shield of faith. At the end of the day, like I said, it's our choice. Going back to Nicola, the athlete, if we can put her picture up again, she has on her wrist for his glory. Now, I don't know where you are on your journey with God tonight, but I love what she said that she just had this emptiness inside for all those years striving, living her whole life for this one jump, for this one medal, but getting to this point that realizing it's not gonna do anything, it's not gonna fulfill her completely because she can't take it with her to the next life, eternity. It says, God says that he has written eternity in the hearts of men. Nicola also has started her own ministry called Everlasting Crowns. <clears throat> and it's based from 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And it goes on and on. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. One moment. I want to cough, but then I know I'll be coughing into the microphone. <coughs> I don't know where you are tonight on your journey with God. But what I do know is that he is not a God of condemnation. He is a God of conviction. Yes, 
He convicts us towards righteousness because He wants the best for our lives. But He is not a God of condemnation. So if you're sitting in this place tonight and you're feeling guilt, if you're sitting in this place tonight and you're feeling shame, then that is not God. And as I said earlier, we need to choose what we meditate on. See, Satan is the father of lies, but we don't have to listen to those lies. And if you relate to Nicola, whether it be years of working, years of striving, years of doing it on your own, and tonight you wanna say yes to Jesus. Tonight you wanna say, yes, I'm ready to go all in. Yes, I'm ready to partner with Him, to pull on the rope of the Spirit in victory, knowing that I will have an everlasting crown with Him. If that's you in this place tonight, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to raise your hand. I'm gonna count to three. And in that moment, I just want you to raise your hand all over this place and we're gonna celebrate with you. So if that's you, one, two, three, raise your hands right now. That's you. If you wanna partner with Him, if you wanna live in this victory, raise your hand in this place tonight and we'll stand with you. We'll celebrate. We'll pray, we'll lead you into that prayer. Is there anyone here tonight? I believe that there's at least one person, so we don't wanna make this moment rush by. We are pausing the service just for you. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in this place, Lord. Come on, is there someone here tonight? Just raise your hand. Thank you, I see that hand, boldness. Thank you, darling. Is there anyone else? Anyone else here you're worth waiting for? It says that when you make this decision, all of heaven rejoices, because this is the best decision that you can make for your entire life. This very moment is your night. Why don't we just stand to our feet right now as we celebrate and we congratulate you. Can you come to the front, darling? You can, you can bring mom. You can come to the front. <clears throat> Let's celebrate together. You know what? There's something special when we stand and we say we don't care because he, he died on that cross for us. He died on that cross for you. If there was no one else in the world, He would still have died there. And He sacrificed His flesh so that we can live in victory. Why don't we just pray together? If I say this prayer, do you wanna say it with me? Yeah, and we'll all join together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You for never leaving me all the days of my life. I choose tonight to invite you to lead me in your ways. I choose to follow you. Thank you for your forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Now, Nedra's gonna take you and just give you some more information. So if you just follow Nedra, 
and she will help you with that. <clears throat> Give you all that you need to equip you on your journey. So good. Now, just earlier tonight, we sang that song, Worthy of It All. I didn't actually know that that song was gonna be played tonight. But when I saw it, I just thought, oh God, you're so good. You're so good. Because just a few weeks back, I was worshiping to that song, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And I felt his still, soft, gentle voice say to me, am I? A particular situation was weighing heavy on my heart. And I felt him say, am I worthy of you letting go of that? Am I worthy of you surrendering to that situation? Am I worthy of you letting go? Am I worthy of you forgiving that person? Am I worthy of it all? Do we realise the weight of those words? They just roll off the tongue, but are, are we... Do we know what we're singing when we say, worthy of it all, Lord? I don't think this side of eternity we will ever fully know what those words mean. But I'm just gonna open the altar right now as the worship team leads us in that song. And if you wanna make a fresh commitment tonight, if you just want to come forward and just get one of the team to stand with you and pray with you, on this journey that we all face of spirit versus flesh and just make a fresh commitment that we're gonna focus on walking and living in His ways and the ultimate victory. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.